This episode of the Flush Podcast is brought to you by Waltons, Aluma Trailers, Onyx Hunt, and by Nutrisource Pet Foods. My guests today are Jared Wicklin and Casey Sill from Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. We've got a top 10 list for Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. Plus, we'll take a look back at the last year in the Uplands and a look ahead to big things in store for the Habitat organization in 2023 and beyond. The Onyx Hunt app is one of the most valuable hunting tools that I take into the field every day, and now that app is available in our vehicles. Yep, Onyx did it. They launched Apple CarPlay. That means when you plug your phone into your vehicle, you now have the option to open up the Onyx app right on the dash of your hunting rig. No more holding your phone while driving, which is obviously dangerous, and you get all of the same layers on your vehicle dash that you get on your phone. You can see the aerial view of your location while driving down the road, just like you'd see if you're using your own Maps, apps, Waze, or Google Maps. Except now you can find out if the properties around you are open to the public. The landowner's name that owns the land. And if you're in North Dakota, you can see if that land is posted without even touching your phone. To use this feature, simply make sure your Onyx app is up to date. And if you're not an iPhone user, don't worry. Onyx is currently working on the same platform for Android phones too. Apple CarPlay, the latest incredible feature from Onyx Hunt. Always know where you stand and now where you drive with Onyx Hunt. Welcome to another episode of the Flush Podcast. My name is Travis Frank. I'm your host, Brandon Morton. As always, as a producer today, Brandon, how are you on this fine winter morning? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Travis? I'm doing well. <clears throat> doing well. Are you excited for Pheasant Fest coming yeah, up? Yeah, I'm really excited. I just got to go to the local yesterday to check out our spot where we're going to be doing the live show. And it's going to be a blast. It's a real Irish pub. Okay, it's going to be a blast. Okay, Such and let's just get into that right off the bat. Yeah. This whole episode, well, not the whole episode, but a lot of this episode is going to be pre viewing Pheasant Fest. Um, we're not going to get into all the tiny details because we've got a bigger picture look at the Habitat organization, Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever. Jared Wicklin and Casey Sill are my guests today. Thank you both for coming in. You bet. Thanks for, uh, for having us. I always love being able to talk bird hunting. And Jared, this is not our first time. I don't know how many podcasts we've done. We've done a few. Yeah. And they've. Uh, I think they've always been good or, or probably the the time we've spent before the podcast out in, <laughs> out in the field together have been great. So. Yes, we've had some incredible hunts. We'll talk a little bit about that, too. But, Brandon, you mentioned uh, the local. So um, before we get into this episode, I want to make sure people know that there's a live podcast coming up on Friday night during Pheasant Fest. There's a lot going on. There so is. we understand that you have a lot of choices. We're just giving you a few options here. We are doing a live show at 6 p.m. at The Local on Friday night. Pheasants Forever also has an Upland rally. Uh, what time is that, Jerry? Uh, it starts at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. So these are going to overlap a little bit, but uh, the Upland rally is sold out. Yep. Oh, well, we've got a lot of things that are sold out already. We, we can talk about all <laughs> yeah, of them. But exactly. uh, Upland Rally on Friday night. Um, the Saturday night uh, National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic Banquet is sold out at fifteen hundred. So it just it's it's it looks like it's gonna be an exciting weekend filled with lots of people that yeah. folks probably haven't haven't seen in a while. And it's just it's gonna be a party for the Uplands, and yeah. that's that's the way we treat it. So. Yep. So our live show on Friday night is again it's 6 p.m at the local and brandon you're saying uh 
we're, it's first come, first serve. First come, first serve. It is a bar. It is on a Friday night. Pheasant yep. Fest is in town. It's an Irish pub. So there's going to be a lot of people. Yeah. So try to show up a little bit early if you can. I'm going to be there as early as 5. So you okay. know, people can start trickling in any time after that. I think I'll start. probably be there a little after you then, too, because I've got some obligations in or on the show floor. The fun part that I'm looking forward to at this live show is I've put together a game show. And I've got it done. I like it. I've tested it out on a few people. It's going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a trivia show. Yes. And that's the fun part about it. We have um, quite a few items that we're going to be giving away to listeners that come to the show. They can be a part of it. So Scott Franzen, co-host of The Flush, is going to be on the panel. Ron Bam from the Hunting Dog Podcast, he's going to be on the panel. Matt King from Nutrisaurus Dog Foods. He will be on the panel. And then the one and only George Lyle, my bird hunting mentor and the cowboy that demands everyone's attention when he walks in the room. He will be on the panel. And we're going to test them. I'm going to find out what they know about these birds and these dogs and guns and who knows what else. So it'll be fun, <clears throat> very interactive. The, the show, um, if they can't answer the questions... Basically how it works is I'm going to provide clues that are going to lead them somehow in some roundabout way to an answer. And if they can't figure it out, then you, the audience, get to come up and figure it out. <clears throat> you can, if you get the answer right, you'll be taking home some, some pretty cool stuff. So again, 6 p.m. And then afterwards, so I, I estimate, Brandon, you know, we, most of our shows go an hour, but live shows tend to go a little bit longer. A little longer, yep. yep. So I'd say about... It's going to be about an hour and a half show. So from about okay. 6 to 7.30-ish. We might end a little bit before that, maybe a little after, but that's a good estimation of how. Okay, long. so then after that, we are going to be going over, once the Upland Rally finishes, Jared, yep. you guys are converting. You're getting out of there because yep. Onyx is getting in there at that same time, and they're setting up their 40X event, and they're they're calling it 40X. So what is... 40X. Well, um, it's an evening that uh, Onyx is putting together in partnership with Pheasants Forever yep. and Line and Kugels. Um, it's going to be a 9 p.m. start time. So if you like to be out and howl, woo, you get to come to this one. There's, a, there's uh, live, live music. Live music. There's a band. Yep. There's going to be all sorts of fundraising. They've got, I think it was $25,000 in prizes. Yeah, um, that they're going to hand out, and again, it's it's just another fundraiser for the Uplands. And if you are not a user of Onyx, uh, number number one, you should be, so you know mm. where you stand at all times, public land, private land. Um, but in addition to that, they're they're just huge supporters of you know pu public land acquisition or public lands in general. How do we create more of them? They're a big partner of Pheasants Forever, a national sponsor, and um, all of the proceeds from this are going to be going towards and. Uh, 40X, there's going to be a big match at the end, yeah. are going towards build a wildlife area uh, in the state of Minnesota. So pretty I, I, pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. so here's, here are the bullet points that I've got on it. For every single dollar donated toward Pheasants Forever's Habitat Projects in Minnesota, Pheasants Forever is able to match those donations 40 times thanks to PF Chapters and Partners in Conservation. The result stretches every contribution into more quality habitat, more public access for all. At Onyx Hunt, we wanted to help spread this message and celebrate everything Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever has done to ensure we'll have healthy grasslands and birds for future generations. We would love it if you'd be able to... Oh, yes, okay. So, um, in the... Okay, so the 40X party. 
is at 9 p.m. at the Hyatt Regency downtown Lakeshore Ballroom, which is the same location that the Upland Rally is, correct? Um, I believe it's everything's at the convention center for oh, it is. most of that. Okay. Yeah. So, gotcha. Yeah, so just a different, uh, all different of these, hotel. it's right across the street, right across the street. Yep. Open to the public beer yep. provided by line and Kugel's line live band from 9 PM to 12 AM. Did I mention it's free beer? Provided by <laughs> okay. The opportunity to win over $25,000 in prizes from 20 great brands. Every person that attends a party and puts a pin in their favorite state map, Onyx Hunt will donate $40 to Pheasants Forever. With the 40 match, 40 times match, that $40 turns into $1,600 of habitat. So let's pack the house. We will go there. I'm going to head over there after our live show. Jared, you're going to be there? Who's not going to be there? That's, <laughs> okay. that's, the, that's the question. Yes, I will, I will Casey, be over Casey, are you going to be there? I'll be there. You'll yeah. be there. All right. So Friday <laughs> night is turning out to be, a, gosh, it's going to be a late one. I it's think. not just a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser. And you yeah. know, with Lion and Kugels and all our good friends from The Flush and everywhere else, um, mm. I, I, yeah, it's going to be quite a party. For the Uplands. Yeah, so about. the show is going to, I mean, the, the show kicks off really Thursday. Uh, technically te- te- Friday, but like... Technically Friday. There's, there's some yeah. really cool events going on. So Thursday night, for mm-hmm. people that are coming to town early, um, we've got an Upland Film Festival uh, that starts on Thursday night at, uh, I believe it's 5.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. at the Poor House in, in downtown Minneapolis. How does that work? So I had a film a couple years ago when you guys did this last time, mm-hmm. but I wasn't able to attend that film. Um, I was at, so I have a film in this year on Thursday night too. Yep. And I'm just curious, what, what can I expect when I get there? Because I was asked to come up on stage and talk a little bit about it. And it's like, well, I don't really want to talk about it. You guys yeah. got to watch it. No, if you've never been to the poor house before, uh, I would say it's a, it's a pretty, I don't know if intimate's a word, but it's a, it's a really cool setting to do any type of film uh, film watching, if you will. So mm. the film festival itself, we've got five different films this year. Um, we've got one about uh, Montezuma Quail, and that's by Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever. We've got uh, one featuring Ken, Ken Yang. Uh, it's sponsored by Perina, Toyota, and Benelli. Uh, a bird dog named Kaya. A lot of people know Kang. He's on the front of the Minnesota hunting regulations. Mm-hmm. Huge upland hunter now. He's only been doing it for six years. He's an adult onset hunter. Yep. And he's going to talk about sort of his journey from being an anti-hunter into the hunting scene and how a dog was sort of that, like the, the, the catalyst gate, for yeah, it catalyst. Yeah. Gate, gateway drug is what I call it. I mean, really, yeah. that's what it is to get into the uplands. So mm-hmm. he's going to be talking about that and sort of his relationship with his, his father, I believe, is also in that film as oh, well. Oh, cool. Um, so he's going to be talking about that relationship. King's a great guy. Yeah, he's, he's wonderful. Um, we've got Lapland Grouse by Project Upland. So uh, this is a Swedish forest grouse, I guess. Uh, Have you seen it? Capricoli. I have not seen it yet. Okay. I have not. Have you? No. No, I haven't. Well, we'll we'll see it together (laughs) that night. But have you uh, seen mine? uh, I I haven't. I've seen I've seen snippets of it. Okay. Because I sent it over know, a weekish, two weeks ago, something like that. Yeah. So I don't know where it's, it goes once I when, it goes. Once to, I send it. it goes to Andrew Vavra, and he yeah, sort of yeah. he plays the cards close to the vest. And, okay, good. Um, yeah, so uh-huh. nobody's really seen any of these. So that's so Ken Yang, the Lapland Grouse, uh, which is Capricoli in Sweden. Um, Through the Trees by Project Upland is another one that's in search of woodcock across mm-hmm. the nation, which is a pretty 
cool little bird that mm-hmm. both you and I like to hunt. Oh, yeah. And then uh, I believe it's, is it Alaska's Bush Country Birds? Is that? That's what I titled it. Okay. Yeah. And what, yeah. are we, what are we chasing there? Well, you got to come to find out. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything else other than... Pretty incredible landscape. Pretty incredible place. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those experiences that I will forever cherish. I think um, we took, you know, all of our adventures there and tried to put it into one short experience that you can watch. Um, and so I, I really think that the footage speaks for itself just because of the, the like, the the unbelievable views. I mean, there's there's no way to really capture Alaska. I remember when we were sitting in Iowa earlier this year, um, you had come off of that kind of earlier in the season, and mm-hmm. you were talking about it, and the guys around the table, you know, we're, we're just staring at you, just tongues hanging out, just <laughs> yeah. sort of awestruck about you. Yeah. Were, you were telling about some of the scenery and the birds and those types of things. So, yeah, I'm I'm really look looking forward to seeing it. I, I, it's gonna be pretty special. I, I'm I'm thinking it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, it reaffirms that at some point in my life I want to try to experience this. It's it maybe isn't as difficult as some people think. You know, it seemed to me always that it was this like holy grail type place to go to Alaska on a hunt. Uh, you know, you see all these big game hunts up there because that's what 99% of yep. hunting in Alaska is, is big game hunting. But obviously bird hunters have a opportunity up there as well. And it, I don't think it's as, as difficult to achieve as I really originally thought. I, I think that's pretty meaningful, actually, because we, coming from, you know, Minnesota or the Midwest or whatever, it, it so often does seem unattainable. So yeah. to yep. to realize, oh, we can you know, we can actually put something like this together and go on a trip like that. Well, even Western to hunts it. too. Yeah, um, that, yeah. That, that I wasn't mention that too. Like the the amount of people that I see, you know, chasing merns and gambles quail down in the southwest this year. Um, it's probably more people than I've ever seen before. Ever. You're talking. It's just a massive landscape. So are you going to see people while you're down there? Yeah, you might. But for the most part, like you can get as lost as you want to in some of these landscapes. And I, I really think in the, in the last couple of years, especially this winter, um, there's folks really figuring that out. I mean, I know people yeah. that have gone down there for two weeks at a time um, or, you know, gone up, gone up to Alaska. I mean, there's just there's unique places that you can call them bucket list hunts. But I think once you once you go, um, that bucket list sort of reaffirms itself. Like you're, yeah. you're going to go back. Yeah, absolutely. So, which I think is cool. Let's just, we jumped right into this conversation. We did, I didn't really accurately introduce both of you. Jared, you've been on the show a few times already. So people know you Casey, this is your first time. Jared, uh, quickly, what's your role at PF and how long you been there? Yeah. Public relations manager, uh, been with pheasants forever. I'm going quail forever on 13 years now. And I work on earned media, do a lot of podcasts, radio interviews, work a lot on national pheasant fest and quail classic. And, uh, my job and probably part of Casey's job too is we, we help tell the story of our staff and our volunteers and the wonderful work that they're doing on the landscape. Casey, you're relatively new to the Habitat organization. Your your uh, title and how long have you been there? Uh, so I'm the PR specialist and I started just about, well, close to a year and a half ago. So last last October. So specialist so. and you're not a specialist, Jared. I've, Interesting. I've gone up to the I've gone up <laughs> yeah. to the manager phase. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, okay. Big I've graduated. <laughs> I've graduated. <laughs> Both of you hunt just as much as I do. It means any chance you possibly can. Yep. Um, pretty much. Yeah. Jared, we've hunted together multiple times, and we've never had a bad hunt. I don't believe. No. 
Yeah. Does nope. that say something about us or what? I like to think so, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just both the times I think that you and I have really hunted together have been down in Iowa. Um, mm-hmm. It's a state that's that's really come on in the last couple of years. We've had pretty good weather. It'd be interesting to see what happens this year because those birds have been on a snowy background with a lot of snow, especially in the northern half of the state for a long time. But yeah, um, yeah just special places and, you know, walk and access and even some of the private landowners that we've met along the way. It's just pretty incredible stuff. I wasn't actually going to go here, but I, I since we brought this up that we were hunting, I, one of the landowners that you introduced me to that we got to take uh, the, the highest bidders on the uh, Pheasants Forever road trip dream hunt uh, that we auction off, uh, he's been staying in touch with me, and he sent me information, and maybe he sent this to you as well about yep uh, from the DNR yeah and and what what they anticipate based on how many days that snow being on the ground. Do you want to elaborate at all on that? I mean, I can a little bit. You know, I think I've maybe mentioned on this podcast before is like, you know, snow snow depth is one thing as it, you know, it comes to food and it can really sack their habitat with the heavy wet snow we've seen for pheasants and other wildlife this year. Um, but, you know, what with some of their research down there points to it's it's as much about that as it is the amount of time that pheasants spend on a on a white background, uh-huh. um, and you know they've done especially in northern Iowa they've done a lot of uh, research projects down there that just show um, you know winter severity plus the amount of time there's a white background um, and they've plotted that to show like hey it does make does make a difference and when you look at some of the graphs I think that we saw from the DNR and and nothing's set in stone yet like we've got. 40 degree temperatures here for probably the next at least 10 days that I've seen mm-hmm. with little dips in between there. So like that's uh I think that's a godsend for the birds right now um, yeah. in whether it's Minnesota, Northern Iowa, the Dakotas. Um, but it's, it's interesting data um, that can really point to that, you know, winter hab winter habitat is absolutely critical um, to keep those birds both from hidden from predators and thermal cover. Um, it's extremely important. And when the snow starts, to stack up we can have issues especially the longevity of it throughout the winter yeah i think most people that listen to this understand that i mean obviously we all know habitat is is the number one most biggest priority um you know i'm looking at so rich berkland sent me this information and i don't know how to really decipher this very well on a podcast there's a lot of graphs and and numbers here but um essentially you know like they said they could uh point to like hen survival rate mm-hmm. based on the days of snow cover on the ground um you know like is this information i don't know i mean is this available or do you recommend this kind of information on your own personal website to states put these out it's something that we've looked into maybe discussing more about or maybe put it i think it's interesting right yeah there is there's some there's plenty of variability in there too i think mm-hmm. there was it was upwards of 15 to 20 percent variability one way or another um but i i think it just speaks to um you know habitat and weather yeah. as being the two largest factors for pheasant population not just in iowa but across the range yeah um, but you go farther farther south you know and there's really no snow whatsoever. It's all going to melt this week if it is there in, in places like central and southern Iowa. So when you get down there, um, talked about how, you know, we could see a huge quail boom and, and pheasant boom in some of those areas this next year, too. So it's it's interesting data, yep, uh, to say the least. Well, and so I, I went, oh, this would have been early January, 
I drove down to Kansas and on my way through driving, I get into Iowa and it wasn't far into Iowa. All of a sudden there wasn't much snow. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking to myself, I was expecting a lot more snow because at the time we had like, I don't know, three feet. And I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say we had like three feet in central Minnesota here. We still do. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So when I get down there and everyone's like, oh, it's been tough on the birds. And I'm like, what? You haven't seen tough come up here. Yeah. This is tough. Yep. But um, if if the weather holds down there, I mean, yeah, brown brown soil is going to be showing here in the next couple of days, which is huge for the birds there. A lot of the numbers have pulled a lot of hunters down there, and I've heard from listeners. Uh, we had a live show a couple weeks ago, and one of them was from the far southern, uh, down by the border, and. He, that was a topic of conversation before we went live, and then he brought it up during the live show, too, as to how do we feel about all of the hunters in that area all of a sudden. And I'm like, well, you know, we really have this information. Like, we're talking about it now. Other people are talking about it. You guys are promoting, you know, here's... Hmm? And maybe promoting isn't the right word, but we're, you're sharing accurate information. And bird hunters are not like deer hunters that sit in one tree stand and wait for a buck to come by. Yeah, there's 40 acres, 80 They're moving acres. around. We're moving. Yeah, we're always moving. So, you know, like, what the popular spot today, next year it could be, you know, who knows where it's going to be next year and the year after that and the year after that. And I don't know what to say to somebody that might have an issue with an influx of hunters coming in. What do you say? Um, I think the biggest thing is... Honestly, just the amount of public land they have down there, uh, groups like Pheasants Forever, Quail Forever, working with, you know, Iowa DNR and all these different partners, like we continue to continue to add acres. So honestly, I think people should look at it at from this, like a point of view of a success story. You don't have to go back that many years in time to like 2012, 2013, where Iowa came off of five years in a row of over 40 inches of snow average throughout the state. Their pheasant population, literally bottom of the barrel. It, it, people were wondering, like, what are we going to do? And the answer was habitat. I mean, they, they came up with, there was new programs within the Conservation Reserve that were uh, focused on pheasants and things like that. A lot of pollinator habitat and things like that went in down there. And I think it just goes to show how quickly the birds can turn around from, from inclement weather. And you know, this next year is going to be interesting. We finally got some finally got some moisture in places where uh, we're still drought-stricken areas. I know Nebraska's gotten more lately. Um, Iowa doesn't deal with drought too much. Um, they actually do pretty pretty well for the birds when it's not it's less comparable to like an area that's further west. Yep. Um, you know, Kansas, 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 gotten a little bit little bit more moisture in places this year. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see how. Things change every year on habitat availability and especially weather. Yep. And the main pheasant core of the pheasant range this year has just gotten pounded with winter weather early and often. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting Interesting to see, um, you know, the season in, like, South Dakota just closed a few weeks ago. and But I've still got people that were sending me pictures of birds that last weekend that they're just full of fat. And they're still finding access to corn or beans or some type of um, – you know, native, native shrubs that they're pulling food from. So like the birds are making it. I think it's going to be interesting to see how those populations vary as we, as we go into the spring and then into the fall next year. If we, if we lost some, if we're rebuilding those types of things. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's too early to say everyone can look at the 
the early winter, the depth of the snow, the harshness of it. But I think the the punch that could take out a lot of birds is do we get that late February, March yep. monster storm? Exactly. When they're, you know, not a, they don't have the reserves, they can't make it through. And so yep. pray for good weather coming up. And we could see, you know, we could all this chatter about how tough the winter was. Yep, gloom could be for nothing. Right. Gloom, gloom and doom, right? Yeah. That's sort of sort of been what it's on now. But then you look at you look at January. Um, they just reported in Minnesota we had one of the warmest Januarys on record. That bodes well for pheasants and other wildlife. And then you look at the forty degree temps and things that we got coming here. Um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of things I think to be positive about too. So it's all gonna sh- all gonna shake out. All right, let's get back to our. Gosh, we get sidetracked so easily <laughs> all the time. All good. I wrote down topics, which I don't usually do, but because I knew we would get sidetracked, and I wanted to make sure you send me this email. You're like, okay, we're gonna do a a top ten, or not top ten, but a, a list of ten items that people didn't know, and I read it as pheasants forever, and you're like, no. Things people didn't know about pheasant fest. <laughs> I was like, ooh, we're going to get some dirt on pheasants forever. The inside information. So before we get into the top 10 things people didn't know about pheasant fest coming up here in a couple weeks, let's get the top 10 things that people did not know about pheasants forever. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, that's, put, that's real putting dirt. us on the spot there. Have you seen Howard's tattoo? Yes, I have. You have? Yes. So it actually happened. Yes, it exists. It exists. Yeah. Okay. He'll never tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> do I have to ask where he put it? No, don't don't ask that question. <laughs> He's not gonna. So Howard Vincent, obviously, people, uh, most people know that President CEO of Pheasants Forever uh, stepping down, and this will happen at Pheasant Fest on Saturday night. Is that correct? That's the plan. Uh, Saturday the night, passing Sunday, of the torch. He's still, he's still on. Um, he's gonna act as sort of a shadow role model for our new CEO. Um, they're gonna be attending meetings together and that type of thing. And he's really gonna f- start, start to sort of phase out when we get into um, April, April, May. Okay. Um, is when he really starts to to step away. Um, and and the spotlight kind of turns to Marilyn Vetter, who's yeah. our new CEO, president CEO. And she is extremely qualified uh, for the new new job and tasks that she has in hand of running the world's or world's or nation's largest upland conservation group. Yeah, um, the the announcement was met with overwhelming positivity. Yep, everything that I saw was you know people were excited. I've had brief uh, you know workings with Marilyn over the last few years at different events or functions or things like that where we would both be presenting or things like that very professional um, cares deeply about the upland world and it shows and everything that she does and so I I was like yeah nice good choice that was my initial thought I was like I like it that was everybody's initial thought and I th- I think it's it's warranted because she is very representative of our base um She's a hardcore upland bird hunter. Uh, she participates in her chapter. She's been on our board since 2015, but for good reason. She's a, she's a businesswoman, strategic communications, uh, business management, those types of things. At the end of the day, Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever, we're running a, a business of habitat here. And you'll hear some people say like, well, I figured that you know, maybe we were going to hire, so- hire somebody for that position that had a large you know, biology background or natural resources background. 
right now, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever has the uh, largest amount of wildlife biologists in the country, yeah. second to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And I think we're, we're gonna, we might be passing them here in the next year uh, with some of our, our projections and adding more people on. So we're, we have not, we're, we're not short on biological wildlife habitat, natural, natural resources backgrounds. We have a chief conservation officer. That's his job. Um, Marilyn is going to come in, and sh I think she's going to take a hard look at how things are working, both on the chapter level and our staff. And I think she's going to make, not right away, but she'll make recommendations on where we think we can do better. Um, and that's, that's, that's the job of president and CEO is to, to make sure that she's steering the ship in the right direction. And she's got, it's not like a, it's not a fix-it organization. Um, this is a very, very strong organization right now, and she's taking it over in a really. You worried about your job? Place. <laughs> I'm not. No, <laughs> Casey no. is everything no. sweating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we work with we work with Marilyn really close, especially with you know her announcements and things, and um, yeah, she's um, she's got uh, she's got some serious serious chops when it comes to leading organizations. I mean, she's taken she's taken startups to multi billion dollar corporations. Um, you know, with her skill set. So yeah. we're, we're happy to have her. And again, she's just, she's a hardcore bird hunter, bird dog trainer. Yeah. Um, she, that's the thing. Yeah. That's what, that's what I love. And I'm actually, I was talking to Bob about this too. And I, I think we'll try to get Marilyn on this podcast. I know you guys will most likely do that on, on your show as well on the wing, but she, her background is everything that our listeners, you know, and that's where sometimes, um, you know, when somebody gets hired for a role like this, you want them in the back of your mind, you want them to understand the hunting world that you live in too. And that's, what's great about Marilyn and her husband. I mean, they live it. They, whether, whether she wants me to say this or not, you want to know what she was doing before she started her position on February 1st, what we were just talking about. She was she down was, in Arizona. She was down in Arizona yeah. in the Southwest. I think she's down there for 10 days yep. taking basically a vacation before she dives. Her vacation hardcore. is our vacation. It's exactly. bird hunting. She was exactly. quail hunting. Yep. 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 Definitely. We have the, have the same, same likes. So, so Howard's going to present his tattoo and then uh, <laughs> on the big stage on Saturday night at the banquet. Howard and Marilyn are both going to speak on Saturday night. Um, I don't, I don't think it's going to be long. Um, our plan is to make sure we get everybody out of that banquet by about 9 30 PM. You got about 1500 <laughs> people coming sold out. Yep. 1500 people coming sold out. There's gonna be a video there, sort of that culmination call the uplands. It was a really, really wonderful campaign and it's a launching point for us to do more wonderful things in the future. I hope you've bagged a few pheasants, grouse, and quail this season, maybe even a few ducks, geese, and deer too. Whatever you're hunting for, Waltons can help you finish the hunting process, bringing your wild game full circle. Whether you need to mix, grind, or stuff, Waltons will surely have your new favorite pieces of meat processing equipment. Don't spoil your hard work in the field by letting that meat get freezer burned. Save right now on vacuum sealers and bags. Bag up your birds, your jerky, snack sticks, and summer sausage, and have your meat last all year for long-term storage. Find everything, and I mean everything, you need to process and prepare your meat at Waltons.com. And while you're there, sign up for their free monthly giveaways and check out what John Tremblay and the Waltons team is working on in their meatgistics community. Waltons, they have everything but the meat. I love my dog, and like you, I always want to make sure that she has what she needs to stay healthy year-round and perform at her best in the field. That's why I feed Daisy Nutrisource high-performance dog food. 
Nutrisource dog food comes with their good for life system that includes four key ingredients that work together to support gut health, heart health, and the overall well-being of our dogs. I have complete confidence that my dog has all of the nutrition to excel in the field and make it through a rigorous hunting season. I've seen it firsthand, and she loves her food. Take it from me and my dog, Daisy. Nutrisource high-performance dog food can help your dog reach their full potential. Find the food that's right for your dog at NutrisourcePetFoods.com. If you're an outdoor lover on the go, then odds are good that you have toys and equipment that you want to haul. Aluma Trailers, well, they've got you covered. Their trailers are built by a hardworking team in Bancroft, Iowa. They have models for nearly any and every hauling need, from ATV and UTV trailers to utility, snowmobile, motorcycle, car trailers, and even fully enclosed trailers like mine. Trust me when I say that Aluma trailers tow like a dream. Their trailers are constructed out of lightweight, strong, corrosion-resistant aluminum, and they are 100% maintenance-free. Plus, they come with an industry-best five-year warranty. Visit alumaklm.com to find a trailer that fits your needs. Uh, we want it on my list of topics here. We're going to talk looking back at 2022, looking ahead at mm-hmm. 2023, but we do have a top 10 list. So why don't we get to the yeah. top 10? Then we'll do our looking at 2022. Then we're going to look ahead and we'll put a bow on it. So let's do things that people didn't know about Pheasant Fest top 10 list. All right, here we go. So we'll go through. There's some. There's some really cool speakers. When I just introed that, it made me feel like um, what was the night, uh, the late show at night where Dave Letterman always did a top yeah. ten <laughs> things you didn't know about. Okay, here we go, Jared. All right. Well, uh, so we're going. We're going to go through just a couple of the cool things that we have going on that I think people are going to find very interesting to come in uh, for seminar topics, vendors, those types of things. So we already mentioned the Upland Film Festival that starts ahead of time. Yep. Um, so dive right in. If you are a landowner. Free landowner workshop. We've never done it before. Um, I want people to know about it, but landowner workshop starts at 9 a.m. on Friday morning, and that's connecting with landowners with, uh, with their land. We've got people like Eric Eric Johansson, who's a friend of mine. Yeah. I think you've met Eric before. Yeah. Uh, he's got one of the largest wild pheasant populations in, I think in, the, in world. the country. Probably in the world. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, and he'll, he'll tell you that. He farms for wildlife, and he's going to become talking about um, how to do it, and that uh, specific seminar... Um, and workshop includes soils, habitat. That's before the show even opens. That's before the show even opens. It's free. You just have to sign up online at okay. pheasantfest.org. But everything from soils, habitat, land rent, government programs, non-government programs, uh, we'll hook you up with, with, any, um, with any of those things that you need to really build a pheasant population on, on, your, on your property, which okay. is cool. Nice. Uh, so, and we've talked a little bit about, so we talked about the film fest already and a few things that are happening on Saturday night, but to officially kind of kick the show off on Friday, like we've done for years and years is going to be the bird dog parade, Uh, 11 AM on Friday. Daisy and I Um, will be there. Yes. Yes. The grand, the grand grand marshal of the parade. What do I need to know before I get in there? What does she need to know? Uh, I've never done this before. Uh, all dogs need to be on a lead. Right. <laughs> That's the one thing. I mean, there's, we've got over, uh, I saw the final list yesterday from the bird dog parade. There's over 40 breeds. Okay. There's over a hundred dogs total. Yep. Um, everything from blue, blue Picardi spaniels to, you know, uh, Spinoni Italianos. To, yeah, you get, you get a lot of the weird, you get to see a lot of the weird ones. Right? She's the only poinsettia though, right? I was going to say. Correct. She's, <laughs> That's correct. Is she, is she listed she as be. a poinsettia? 
I honestly I didn't look that close at it. I was just looking at some mm-hmm. of the different breeds, but um, we're glad to have you. And glad the Bird Dog there. Parade is it's a it's a really family oriented event. There's gonna be a lot of kids there. They like to see the dogs, and honestly. That dog, dogs, again, it's a gateway to the uplands, and that's really what defines the show. So I'm going to ask this question because I think it might be a question others have, too. I want my family to come, so I think they're going to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do they need to be to see the whole parade, and how does that work? Yeah, the whole parade, uh, it's actually, it, you don't even get into the main convention hall where all the vendors and stuff are. It's yep. all outside, so you don't even have, it's free, you don't have to buy a ticket Not for it outside the building. Not but outside it's out, the building. Yeah, it's, when you walk into the convention the center, yeah, yep. there you go. Yep, it's in the foyer, uh, right below sort of the main escalators, there's a big stage there, and how it works is is that uh, we'll have the dogs and their owners lined up in, in a way other, other room, and they come down a really long convention hall. There'll be people lined up on each side, people cheering. Bob St. Pierre is going to be on the mic. It's one of his favorite things that he does. Yeah, he gets all wound up about it. Um, and those dogs come along, and we've got Carl Gunzer from Perina that'll be up on the stage with Bob, and they talk about every single breed that comes along. So, like, number one, you get to see a lot of cool dogs. Number two, if you're, if you're looking for a new breed and want to learn more about them, it's kind of a, a quick synopsis yeah. um, of all the, all the different hunting breeds that are out there. It's pretty so cool. they're going to be like, oops, that's what they're going to say when I come on stage. About <laughs> <laughs> no, this no, no, breed, no, no, no. how it came about. No, they, I mean, <laughs> the, the amount of dogs, just the sheer amount of dogs that we have yeah. um, is sort of a spectacle. And then, you know, after they go through the stage, they go basically run through the convention center hall where basically all the vendors and stuff are. It's, uh, it's We let the dogs off the leash and they can go. It's a cool sight. Yeah, some of them do. Some of them do. Do they really? Yeah. What's the worst dog the What's the worst dog story from an event that you've hosted that you can tell? Um, well, so we don't we don't have a cooking cooking stage this year. Okay. Um, but when we did have a cooking stage a couple years ago, um, we had a dog that a big one of the bigger breeds that really had to use the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you. He 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 came over and did his business uh, right, right towards the opening of the show, right next to the wild game cooking stage. <laughs> oh of no! All the there is not. Yeah, there is not <laughs> a worse place uh, in the convention center for that to happen. Yeah. So I was scram- I was scrambling like crazy. <laughs> uh, we've never really. We never had any dog fights. We've never had any incidents with people. Um, you know, a lot of it comes down to the. The dog, they see see a lot of other canines there, and, you know, they get excited. So we... Oh, so Game Fair. You know a lot about Game Fair as well. Yep. Uh, that's an outdoor yep. show of, you know, late summer here in Minnesota. And I asked the uh, owner of the place one time, I go, how many times? Because you can bring your dogs there. It's outside. Yep. Um, and I say, how many dog fights have there been? And he goes, in 40 years, I think he said it was on one hand he could count. And you're talking thousands of dogs yep. a day. That yep. are there, and and he said the reason why you don't have these dog fights is because they every dog that's there is on neutral turf. That's what he said. He, he goes, they think they're on the other person, the other dog's property, and so they're going to be on, like, their, best, right, on their best behavior. Yeah, play cool, play cool, because this isn't <laughs> my space. And the other dogs thinking the same thing. Play cool, play cool. This isn't my space. Now, if, if that many dogs went into somebody's own yard, it'd be a different story. There'd be all kinds of fights, probably. But so I find that interesting for the, for the show itself. We don't recommend people bring their own dog. It's just yeah. for the breeders that are there and people in the bird dog parade. Yeah. Um, we, we try to we try to keep it to that because we've we've got enough canines on site as it is for all the different breeders and stuff yep. that are there. Okay, let's keep it moving here. All right. Um, 
Friday, Friday. Uh, and I'm telling that to myself, not you guys. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm the one that stall us all the time. So Friday, show opens at noon right after the Bird Dog Parade. Um, we've got a, a new stage this year called the Main Stage. There's four different things going on there throughout the w- weekend. And the first one, and I'm really excited about this because I get to moderate it, is a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service leadership panel. Um, a lot of folks might not know that Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever work extremely closely with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And that's everything from land acquisitions and management uh, on waterfall production areas to the Partners for Fish and Wildlife program, which if you're a private landowner, you might not know about that program. Um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's something that you should know about because it can, it can help you put quality wildlife habitat on your property. Um, and then the other one would be education and outreach. We do everything from, we've got a new program called Journeys to Careers and Conservations to h- help young people sort of find their way into natural resources in the outdoor yeah. world, to milkweed in the classroom, to all sorts of cool things uh, that we're doing in partnership um, with uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So, Is that new this year then? Yes. Okay. Yep. The main stage is new this year. And like I said, it's, it's got uh, four, four different seminars throughout the weekend. Uh, but this particular one, um, I'm happy to get to moderate it. And we're going to put questions out. I think for anybody that's hunted waterfall production areas, and I know you certainly have, yeah. Casey has, uh, we sent him on assignment this year. That's going to be in the Upland Super issue uh, coming up here in the fall. Uh, just, a, just about why are waterfall production areas so great, not only for waterfall, but for pheasants. Mm -hmm. But we get a lot of questions surrounding that too. So tree removal on some of those areas, why is it happening? Why are there not food plots on uh, waterfall production areas? I came out to here and there's 30 acres that are grazed. Like people just, they don't see the bigger picture. So part of this is we're going to be taking a lot of questions on this stage in front of a live audience and talking about all those different things. And uh, the, the biggest topic there is going to be waterfall production areas. So we've got Scott Gloop coming from the Litchfield Management District. Okay. He's going to talk about the history of it um, and why they do certain things on waterfall production areas and how pheasants forever and quail forever help with that. Casey, real quickly on this yeah. topic, since you were on assignment, what's your number one takeaway from that story? Oh, just the dual purpose of this habitat, man. I mean, we had, uh, so we went out to Western Minnesota, hunted almost exclusively WPAs, did a combo. You know, we'd hunt ducks in the morning, uh, pheasants in the afternoon. And one morning in particular on this hunt, we had, uh, we were hunting a small pothole um, in a cattail slough. And um, as the sun's coming up, we're having to talk louder than we normally would at shooting light because the roosters we're cackling all over the place, man. It was just an amazing sight to see as the sun comes up and the roosters are just all over us. And then here comes all the ducks, right? And it's just such an obvious connection. Like, wow, this habitat that's so great for waterfowl also produces a ton of roosters. And the, the extra cool part about that day is that we were covered in pintails. And I, I've almost, you know, I've, I've shot a few over the years, but I've never seen pintails like that before, which are obviously, a, you know, uh, a species of duck that's um, the population's been declining for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So to see them all just dump. It's fun into to this, see something so, like that. Oh, That'll man. stick with you. For it was cool. And we were we had to be bird watchers for most of the day, obviously, because the pintail limits one. Yeah. And that's all we were seeing. So we just sat and watched and. Uh, my, my buddy and I, it it is my buddy and I both picked out a nice Drake and came home with a, each came home with a really nice Drake pintail. So we've we've got, we've got two guys on staff. We've got Casey and then (laughs) hunters who who are in our, is in our department in on the design staff. 
and they're sort of like the duck commanders of pheasants forever. But we're, <laughs> we're slowly we're slowly turning them to the uplands. They hunt a lot of uh, pheasants and and grouse and other stuff too. But it's going to be a cool story. And yes. this particular stage is 3 p.m. on Friday. Bring your questions if you have them. I think it's going to be a, a very educational thing for hunters, landowners, uh, people interested in the education outreach portion too. I like it. Yep. Uh, what number are we on in our top 10 list? Uh, number number five. five. Number five. Number Who's five. got it? Casey? Okay, so that'll be the bird dog stage, sort yep. of in line with our bird dog parade once that's over. Uh, one of our main features of the event, as always, is the bird dog stage. We have some of the country's best dog trainers. Mm-hmm. Um Given seminars on different... The list is impressive. It, it is. So Josh Miller, uh, Tom Dawkin, right? Mike Webin, um, and a couple... Weeben, I'm sorry. Yeah, and then a good. couple other guys. Uh, but what's cool about it and uh, about I think Rick and list. Ronnie Smith are there. Yep. Oh, yep. yes. Rick and yep. Ronnie Smith. I don't know well. if Delmar is there. I didn't see his I name. Yeah, I don't yeah. think he is able to make it. Yeah. But whatever level of bird dog you have, if you have a 12-week-old puppy or a dog you're trying to finish, you know, there's... Uh, something in those seminars for every single level of that of that dog. The amount of wisdom that will be on that stage is impressive and the knowledge that they'll probably be sharing. If I could, honestly, I would just sit there and take it all in. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really I would like to just sit there for a full day and listen to all of that information come out. It's easily the most popular stage. One cool one that I want to point out this year that we've never done before is we have Jerry, the Trap Doctor, Snetsinger. Yeah, I you heard ever, about that. I was listening to K-Fan, yep. and they were talking about that last week. So, so Jerry's a really interesting dude. So he's part of the White Earth Tribe in Minnesota. He grew up on the banks of the Mississippi River trapping. A uh, little, little later on in life, um, when he got into his teens, um, he's got his first bird dog. He's had bird dogs ever since. He's a German short hair guy, so... Obviously, Bob, Bob St. Pierre really likes him, right? Right, right, right. As a short hair dude, and um, he... He's a life member of the Rough Grouse Society. Uh, he's a life member of National Trappers Association, Minnesota Trappers Association. But he's going to be talking about, There's seems like there's been more instances lately, and it's probably been hyped up on social media, too. I think about, social media makes it feel like there's more instances. Yeah, but yeah. about yeah. bird dogs running into traps on public lands. We yeah. all share that same space, yeah. right? And we need to. Um, so we invited Jerry to come in. He's going to talk uh, sort of about how you know that that public land angle is for both bird hunters and it's also for trappers mm-hmm. um he's one of the experts in his field on anything that has to do with long coil traps snares conna bears whatever type of trap that your dog can get caught in he's gonna be demonstrating of how to get him out um he also has a booth there so if you're interested in the uh, trapping angle at all and want to learn more about trapping he's a great resource getting your dogs out of traps he's a great resource and it's a new one that we've never had before that i think is gonna be really interesting for yeah i think it's an interesting listen for sure and i grew up uh, with trapping in my family so i learned it early on and trap you know before i was even probably 10 12 years old easy daisy um, so I, I've worked with a lot of traps and I think, you know, when you, when you have that, um, that accident or maybe not accident, but like if your dog ever gets caught in a trap and you're not, you don't know anything about it, you're going to panic. Yeah. You yep. don't want to panic. Yep. Yep. I would never panic because I'm like, okay, this is a Lego. This is a con bear. Like I know how to use it and I feel like I could remove my dog pretty easily. But if you don't have experience working with traps, go to talk to go to this stage, listen, watch, take it in because when that moment happens, you want to be prepared. Yeah, yeah, like one of the things when I was interviewing, we talked about you know snares and bird dogs that could get get caught in those, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize like a um, a leatherman 
It's not going to not going to cut it in more ways than one. Sure. It's literally not yeah. going to cut yep. uh, airplane cable that a lot of those are made of now. So he's going to have tools there to show you like what you should have with you in case these things happen. They do happen, right? It's, yeah. it's public lands. We all have the right to be there. Yep. But having the knowledge to um, deal with it uh, in a timely manner, I think, is one thing that I haven't done. So I carry a really heavy duty wire cutters and side snipper. Uh, Nipix, a... I think it's okay. a yeah, and. I think it would cut most cables, but I haven't cut one because I don't want to ruin someone's trap to find out. But I'm curious if he's going to say that would do it or not. And yeah. who knows? I might be going out there with a weapon that you know won't handle the job. He's going to have those there at his booth as well. So I think he's going to get a lot, a lot of interaction yeah. from folks both at the seminar and, and at his booth. So Okay, yeah. we'll keep moving Stop on here. Let's keep going. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, could, I, I get us so All sidetracked. Good. All good. Yep. Okay, so... Brandon's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we have uh, a guy by the name of Kickley or Kickley Sports. Oh, yeah. Hey, you yeah, heard of this guy. Okay, yep. so he's going to be at Pheasant Fest for the first time this year. He's gained a name for himself sports in the Twin world. Cities in the sports world, right? Yeah. By live painting mm -hmm. these sporting events from, you know, he goes to Vikings games and Wild games and Twin games and stuff like that, and he makes these, these fast little 25-minute paintings. Um, and he's going to be, uh, on the show floor at Pheasant Fest this year, walking around, just painting what he sees. And he, he'll, he'll also have some prints and stuff for sale as well, but I think it, it's a brand new thing for us. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. He's actually, and I, I hope people stop by and talk to him cause he's got a really interesting story. He's, he's been an artist all his life. Um, and he was in an accident several years ago that left him unable to even like hold on to a paintbrush. And he ended up moving to Paris to sort of relearn how to paint. And that's where he developed this kind of style that he uses now. So it's a really cool story. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be, it'll be a really good addition to the event. And he's, he's, uh, grew up hunting as well. So he's sort of familiar with the world. So it's interesting that, um, we did a story on him maybe a year or two ago, but, um, at the state fair, we have a cabin, Minnesota yeah. bound. Yep. Our other TV show has a cabin there yep. at the Minnesota state fair. And he was at our cabin all all, the whole state fair this year and he was doing paintings there and so you just sit there and watch him and like he can paint any scene so quickly you're like how is that even possible <laughs> yeah. like your talent is unbelievable but he and i hit it off because we both bird hunt mm -hmm. you know so he's got the same bird hunting passion too so i'm excited that he'll be there i guarantee if you watch him you're gonna just you know like when people do caricatures you know you ever see people that can yep. just yeah exactly yeah. that's what that little little different angle yeah but right if you know if folks are there, if like we've got diehards that come every year with their families, they spend all day every day at the show. Like if you want to get a picture of you with bird dogs in the backgrounds, go see him. Yep, right. I think it's pretty totally. Cool. Yep, super Love nice it. guy, and I th I think uh, it'll be really exciting to have him there. Yep. Um, we have a couple other really good wildlife artists as well. I mean, we always have really good wildlife artists at Pheasant Fest, but um, you know, Jay Dowd. Upland Lowlife will yeah. be there. Does some great, like, he works on wood mostly. Does, like, folk art on wood. Um, let's see. Tara Banks is a artist and painter from Montana who who did a, a painting for our auction. I think it's a Saturday night auction. Yep. Right? Okay. Yep. Um, Steve Olenschlager. Yeah, Steve Olenschlager. Everybody knows him. Yep. Um, yep. He's just big. He's in our magazine a lot, too. Yeah, photographer. And um, there's a couple different people that are going to be spread throughout the show floor. Stop by and see him. They've got some pretty compelling stuff.
Um, next up would be the public lands pavilion. Uh, we started this three years ago. I think it's a pretty cool area from the fact that it celebrates the country's 800 million acres of public lands. That's open to you and me and Casey and all of our listeners. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the coolest part about it though, is that we've had a track record with that show of some of the exhibitors that are in that area. They give 10% of their proceeds back to pheasants forever and quail forever um, from, you know, t-shirts that they sell throughout the weekend, those types of things. And we turn that around and put it in a build a wildlife area. Um, so if you're interested in that type of thing, um, you know, the past couple of years, the one big one I would point to is the Cupido WMA that we did the last time we were in uh, Minnesota in 2020 for National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic. We used proceeds as matching money and we turned around and that helped purchase uh, almost thousand acre uh, prairie chicken and pheasant, uh, pheasant really? public area. Yep. Up in Norman, Norman County in Minnesota. Nice. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, and there's several speakers um, on those stages, or on that stage as well, throughout Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yep, that's everything from uh, Tom Carpenter, editor, is going to be up there with some folks from Trout Unlimited talking about the crossover and the work that we do for clean clean trout streams and Mm -hmm. bird habitat to... Uh, corner corner crossing, uh, Katie Katie McCaleb, um, and others are gonna be part of that. Um, also, um, from Meat Eater, Ryan Callahan. We got, yeah, Ryan Callahan is gonna be part of that. And um, for people that have hunted out west before, um, that corner crossing is a big deal. It's yeah. a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna be sort of jumping into that along with a whole bunch of other public lands topics. Love which it. Is cool. Um. Next one would be uh, Women on the Wing Brunch. And I really wanted to bring this up for our Women on the Wing initiatives to help grow more women or female conservationists have really grown throughout the years. Just last year alone, we did 96 Women on the Wing events with over 1,600 participants. Um, it's It's a cool way to grow. It's one of the fastest growing demographics that we have uh, not just upland hunting, but in the hunting world right now. Um, with, there's a few tickets left on Sunday. Uh, if you are a woman who wants to meet more role models um, in outdoors and upland hunting, mm-hmm. this is a great way to do it. You can learn about some of the chapters we've created. We've got, uh, I think, uh, 11 Women on the Wing chapters. We just started another one in South Carolina um, just last week. Um, and I just think it's a, it's a really great opportunity for people to meet more like-minded uh, conservationists that are women that are really, really into the upland hunting scene. What time is that brunch? Uh, that brunch starts at uh, 9 a.m. Uh, or 9.30 a.m. is registration on Sunday uh, at the Minneapolis Convention. Would that be kind of like a, like a sort of a miniature banquet? Or how would you? Describe yeah, a little it? bit. I mean, yeah. it's full of there, there, uh, there's raffles and giveaways at that. Uh, there's mimosas if you mm-hmm. want one, which is cool. But it's just a way to network. Um, we're having uh, attorney Ashley Smith, um, who is the CEO of Minority Outdoor Alliance, is the guest speaker for that day, and she's going to be kind of sharing her inspiring story how she got involved in the uplands and uh, works with others to share. That's that. Darrell's wife, correct? It is. Yep. Cool. Yep. So Will Darrell be there. Uh, Darrell will be there this year. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yep. Like it. All right. Um, I think we hit all top 10. I did my best to stop Was talking for a little bit. So I wasn't distracting there everybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. All right. I like it. Well, and that's just, you know, scratches the surface really at all of the vendors that are going to be there. And you know, you can just, uh, talk to a lot of people hear their stories about how they started an organization or their own companies or things like that, you know, and, and try on a hunting vest if 
you've seen us wearing a Chief Upland vest, you want to try it on, go ahead and talk to Jake. Yep. Um, you know, and it's really hands-on. That's what I like about going to these kind of shows. Everything is hands-on. It's right there. See if you like it. Take stuff home. Um, There'll be new gear there this yeah. year. We've got a new, uh, a couple of the shotgun manufacturers are going to have some new shotguns on the floor that they just uh, previewed at nice. SHOT Show just a few weeks ago in Vegas, which I think is going to be cool. Yep. But I would implore people just to take in sort of the the scenery and the vibe that's going on. Um I think one of the best parts about being there is like you recognize people by their voice or by their face and you get to meet them. Um, and the camaraderie that comes with the uplands is unlike, I think any other, any other sport or, um, you know, very tight hun- hunting pastime. Yeah, it really is. Yep. It really is. And, and we've had stories come back to us where people have met at pheasant fest and then, you know, they're hunting in Mern's country together. Or they're going out after, prairie grouse or chasing pheasants together it's mm-hmm. it's it's pretty cool it's it's a passionate story yeah i mean i look at back at george lyon and i our our hunting friendship it started at pheasant fest i think eight years ago yep and that was in oh gosh maybe kansas city or something like that but i mean that's how long it's gone back but we met at pheasant fest and our friendship is you know it we we share the same passion so it's easy to connect i guess is what i'm getting at let's take a look back at 2022 pheasants forever yeah. and quail forever i know that's something that uh you know there's there's some moments to celebrate here for sure and some highlights yeah there absolutely is um look at you know wildlife habitat is the number one thing so um when you add up all the acres since we've done since 1982 we just surpassed uh, 70 uh, 575,000 plus on the ground projects um, and that's projects that are anchored by... Our Say that again, the number? 575,000 projects since 1982. Um, and those are all anchored by the work of our chapters and supported by uh, all the different partners we have and national sponsors, those types of things. Um, but those projects have created or improved more than 24 million acres. So this last year, we did just just shy of 2.5 million acres of wildlife habitat in the year 2022 in the year 2022 and that's everything combined that's uh that's that's chapter work that's our biologists working on the ground that's uh land acquisitions that's easements um everything bundled together um it's the largest total we've ever had and we want to do more like we mm-hmm. continue to add more staff continue to add more chapters um we want to you know in the past 12, 12 to 15 years, we've lost 50 million acres of grasslands. So are we solving all the world's problems all at once? No. But um, we're taking a, a heavy chunk of that and starting to, you know, put it back into, back on the ground and into public hands, which I think is is important. Yeah. Yep. Um, so with that, in 2022, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever, I'll touch on just a, a few of the cool yeah. numbers. Yeah. Um, we did 6,791 acres of land acquisitions in 2022. Um, so total, uh, total in our lifetime or historically, that's 225,382 acres of permanently protected habitat. So uh, I didn't do the math on square miles, but if you divide <laughs> 225,000 by 640, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a lot of square miles of habitat to go out and for people to, to Can access. you give me or give our listeners just an idea of like – these are pieces throughout the country, right? I yep. mean, is there certain regions that have received more? Are people saying, I want something right here. I want everybody wants it right where they live. But exactly. Where do you where do you show that land acquisitions? Where do you show these projects at? Yeah, we've got maps on our website for people to check out too, but like um so 
we just did our first quail acquisition east of the Mississippi River just a few weeks ago. Um, that was in South Carolina. Uh, it was uh, just under 900 acres and adds on to a 2,000-acre wildlife management area that's already existing. It's got quail populations on it. Um, you know, we're working hard to expand beyond some of our historical regions that we've done. So Minnesota, obviously, is a standout for multiple reasons. Um, we were born and raised here. Our first our bulk of chapters started here. So we got started on work. Well, we have more work chapters early. in Minnesota than any other state. Is that correct? No, no, no. I was got 101. Iowa. Yeah, I was got. I was got 101. <laughs> they got one more chapter than the uh, 100 uh, counties that they have. So, which is which is pretty cool. But Minnesota as a whole, and we get that question a lot. Like, man, it looks like you guys are doing a lot of work in Minnesota. Well, Minnesota is one of the very few states that has a funding mechanism. Um, the, attached to it. Yeah, yeah. Outdoor, outdoor heritage funds. Yep. Um, and the legacy amendment that we voted on in 2008 were millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars um, come back for projects. And, you know, we, we match that with money and use that to purchase waterfall production areas, mm-hmm. wildlife management areas. Um, so that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, Iowa would be another one. We've done about 90,000 acres just in Iowa alone. Uh, a lot of it in the, I would say, probably northern two-thirds of the state. You know, a lot of people refer to that area of the Iowa Great Lakes, which is in the north, northwest, northwest kind of yeah. north central, extending that way. It's the largest area of public lands in that state, and um, for, for good reason. Pheasants Forever has partnered on a lot of those projects, and the heavy, heavy pheasant populations are in those particular areas. And people have seen that the last few years, as we talked about, yep. which is pretty cool. A couple other things to to point out in 2022, Pheasants Forever works a lot on public access as well, not just land acquisitions, but public access in the form of walk-in acres. Um, So like in a state of Nebraska, if you will, we actually administer the Open Fields and Waters program for Nebraska Game and Parks Committee. You do? We do. Okay. Yep. And Um, I... I've experienced it. It's, it's it's a great program. Phenomenal program. Yeah. And we always try to figure out, you know, how, how do we get to grow these types of things? Yeah. Um, Kansas would be another one. Uh, Colorado is Corners for Conservation. Um, you know, Kansas is Corners for Wildlife. Nebraska has a Corners for Wildlife program. Um, Walking Acres in Minnesota and in Iowa, we help enroll those as well. So just last year alone, in 2022, Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever helped create uh, 389,000 acres of access for public hunting. Um, just the access portion of it through, through walking acres. And that's everywhere from the Midwest down to, we've got a biologist that works in Texas to sign up new acres of walking habitat in that particular state. Interesting. Quail and pheasants and, or sorry, are, are you seeing, I mean, I, I haven't hunted down there doves for upland birds in Texas yet, mm-hmm. yeah. but I You'll do, get there. yeah, it's on my list. Um, do you feel like, and I hear from people that lived on there that gaining access to ground is difficult you got some monster ranches down there um when somebody enrolls you know i I mean i look at a comparison might be montana with their block management you know a private land that opens it up to hunters because it's so massive you know is that something that you foresee happening in texas um in texas maybe maybe less um there is a lot of i mean they have couple million acres of public land but when you take texas as a whole and how big it is and right. how many it's people, small people compa- live down yeah. There, yeah it's small in comparison so um i don't know if we'll ever see like huge huge blocks um 
I can't talk about right now, but we're, we're working on a couple of massive projects in the middle of the country right now that are thousands and thousands of acres in size okay. um, to come back as, you know, a wildlife management area. Um, so th- there's some cool things going on. Uh, Texas, I'm not so sure. They do have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of private ranches down there. Huge quail hunting historically, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't that long ago, Texas, Oklahoma, all those states down there. You go back to 2014, 2015, they had populations that were as high as like when you go back to the 19, 1980s. And a lot of that, and a lot of those southern states, it's rain or lack thereof, right? It yeah. really controls controls the habitat. But we also do, you know, we do prescribed burns and things on some of those areas and public lands and partnership with private landowners. So we're doing everything we can, both in the pheasant and quail range, to ensure that habitat's there when it's needed the most. Got it. And access. Anything else from 2022 that we want to brag about? Yeah, I would say, you know, on the conservation ag- uh, advocacy side, um, we've worked to create a, a strong f- framework for the federal federal conservation program, specifically the Farm Bill. And that probably gets more to 2023. We're getting ready to reauthorize the Farm Bill here. It's a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, Pheasants Forever and Quail Forever here in the next week or so is be coming out with our priorities for that. We're going to be pushing for more um, VPA HIP, which is Voluntary Public Access and Habitat Incentive Program, is tied to all the walk-in programs that people are familiar with. We're going to be pushing for more funding for those uh, acres for uh, farm bill programs. Um, but, you know, we also got the North American Grasslands Conservation Act introduced into Congress in 2022. That's a huge feat. That's years That's in the making. huge. Years in the making. So people can say, well, do we have to start over with a new Congress? Well, sort of. Um, you know, different sides of the aisle are looking at how we can make the bill better. And we're looking forward to later this summer, we're going to hopefully um, get it introduced again and move it, move it down the tracks to make it, make it reality. Yeah. Um, and I don't think a lot of times everything in this world right now is so like everything happens so quickly. We want it right now. We're so conditioned to having everything happen quickly. But yep. these types of major moves like that take time. And they take time to develop the plan and then get it into the right people's hands that can push it forward and the legislators and all the people involved. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm serving on a citizen role with the Minnesota DNR right now in a different, different yep. area. Yep. But I'm seeing firsthand just how long we're, craft, we're crafting right now a 10-year plan. And I'm like, gosh, this, I want it today. Yeah, you know, yeah, but it takes forever. Have to have vision. I would, yeah. I would compare. Um, you know, advocacy is just like pheasant, pheasant or quail habitat. Like it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, it takes it takes years. Like you know, people we talk about with this winter weather we've had, like a uh, woody shelter belt of you know fifteen rows or more. You know how long that takes to create? That's mm-hmm. years in the makings mm-hmm. for native shrubs and stuff like that. And that's why you need need you need to start somewhere. Yep. Um, and we're we're doing that on the advocacy side. So the last one would be conservation education. Um, education and outreach is one of the pillars of Pheasants Forever and Quill Forever. In 2022, we hosted nearly 2,000 events that opened the gates for here's the final numbers: 106,657 participants to find their path to the uplands. And that's everything from wow youth to adult onset hunters, which I think is impressive and needed. Like if we're going to support the model of North American wildlife conservation, we need more hunters and we need more licensed buyers because that that's, it starts at the bottom. It's a bottom up approach, just like pheasants forever and quail forever's model is. Yep. So which yep. Is cool. it's, it's, it, I mean, at the end of the day, you, we need to keep growing the amount of hunters out there, regardless of if you show up to a spot and there's a vehicle already there, you, 
I mean, I, I, we can all relate to that, but it matters immensely it to have these new hunters in there. So that's a huge number. Hopefully, you know, and, and interestingly, you know, a percentage of them will continue and a percentage won't, you know, and that's, that's the reality of what we're facing there. Um, let's hope the numbers keep growing, though. Um, you know, lastly, before we wrap this conversation, because I think we're coming up on an hour, or maybe more than that. We're right probably now. more than that, but did we talk about moving ahead? We got to talk about what you're excited about because you were excited for some things coming up in this. 2023 and moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So 2023, um, so obviously National Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic is happening here next week on February 17th through the 19th. Mm-hmm. That's going to be awesome. The culminate, Next week already? It's next week. Oh, holy yeah. cow. It's coming It's coming well, up quick. All right. We got to get back to the office. <laughs> <Yeah>. Keep playing. It's got to go. I got to go. Uh, call the Uplands or National Campaign, uh, which was five to six years in the making here, is coming to a culmination. Um, it was incredible entirely successful um you know we had originally slated we wanted to help you know impact or improve nine million acres we did 10 million so we did a a million more than projected that was over 500 million dollars a lot of those different statistics are going to be shared on saturday night in front of a a blown out crowd so i I don't want to uh let the cat out of the bag too soon but i'll be writing a press release about that as well yeah (laughs) yeah no which is great um we talked about the farm bill. It's a huge opportunity coming up here in 2023 to put more pheasant and quail habitat on the landscape, mm-hmm. uh, along with public access, which is huge. Um, another one that I think a lot of people are familiar with, if you've hunted in South Dakota, is our uh, community conservation programs, um, specifically the Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition. Uh, real quick, for people that don't know, uh, around, around Aberdeen, which has the largest amount of public land acres in, in that state for pheasant hunters, um, our chapter, you know, has put up a large amount of money and we matched it with hotels, businesses, restaurants, uh, things in town that benefit from more pheasant hunters coming in. And we use that as match money to do two things. It's an incentive uh, for landowners to sign up new CRP acres, new being the keyword there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want old ones. We want to keep signing up more acres and attach those to walk and access. Um, so that program in itself has put more than 5,000 acres uh, on the landscape. In the the land. Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition has. Yep, in the yep. last couple of years. And so you're going to be launching a new a program similar for different areas, yep. right? In the next couple of months here, we're going to be coming out with a pilot program, which is um, sort of the, the vision of it is taken after that Aberdeen Pheasant Coalition. How can we impact communities that want to see more more hunters and more wildlife? Uh-huh. Um, so that's going to be, um, that's going to be in a four region area where we're going to launch it. We're really excited about it. It's not quite out yet. Um, but we're working on all the details right now. We've got an application form, uh, that's almost ready to go here. And I think people are going to see a lot of, a lot of great things on, on that side of, from a community conservation front. Well, let's stay in touch on that because we can, once it's live, I'd like to remind people that they can go because I think a lot of times, if you're listening, like, let's say you live in North Dakota or something like that, you know, or wherever you live, um, you're listening, you're like, what can I do? What can I do? Well, you know, that's an opportunity for somebody to say, well, this is, this is a tangible thing that I can work on yep. and get people behind. Because it, it just really was a couple people out there in South Dakota that started that. It was. Yeah. It, was it was about a pair of people. Yeah. <laughs> and it just sort of grew from there. Yep. Um, and the communities really embraced it. And I think we'll see that happening um, as we start to roll this out in a pilot in the coming year, which is going to be great. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in today. Did we touch everything that you had 
You did you did a great job. You yeah, come thanks, well prepared. Thanks. Yeah, no, we, we tried to, but um, no, we we uh, appreciate the support of the Flush. We've had a longstanding partnership with this organization, and can't say enough good things about it. Um, we continue to work together to to put more habitat and access on the landscape, and um, you know, at the same time, I I get plenty of emails or you know calls throughout the year like. Hey, you know, you guys mentioned this, but I like to hunt there and now I'm seeing more hunters there. Well, part of, part of our work, um, from the PR team is to talk about all the wonderful things that we're doing on the land. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to land acquisitions, when it comes to community conservation programs and those types of things, you can expect to see more of that in the coming year and more acres that are going to be available for people to go out and follow a bird dog around because that's what it's all about. Yep, absolutely. Well said. Uh, we try to mimic that same message because sometimes we get the same thing too. And it's like, well, we're trying to inspire people to get out. We're trying to, you know, recruit more hunters. We're trying to show people you can get out and go find places. And, you know, sometimes people are not happy to say, well, do it somewhere else. Yeah. It's right. like, well, then what do you mean do it somewhere else? Like we're moving somewhere new every show, you know? And the last thing I'll say is that, you know, if you're interested in what Pheasants Forever Quail Forever does or want to learn more about your local chapter, get involved. If you're not happy with the way your local chapter is, is, <laughs> yeah. is, is going, um, start your own. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can get, get involved. And I think, you know, Pheasant Fest and Quail Classic for people that are going to be attending it here this, this next weekend on the 17th through the 19th. Um, I, Honestly, I think it's a real eye-opener about all the great things we're doing on the landscape in partnership with a lot of great organizations and, yep. and agencies. I agree. It's exciting. Next week, my goodness. We'll be, it's here. We'll be partying next it's week. Yep. yep. So Friday night. All right. Well, come for all of it. But just a reminder that this live show is a first come, first serve. So I guess, Brandon, be there by five. I don't know. I mean, if... if yeah, get there early so you can be a part of the show. We're looking forward to that. And then we're going to head over to the 40X party. Uh, we'll be there. We'll be there. And we'll, everybody. We look forward to talking what we all love so much about birds and dogs and, and uh, the stories that we'll remember forever. We'll be there next week, Brandon. My goodness. We'll see you then on the next episode of the Flush Podcast. <laughs>